Well, good morning again. I thought my mother was here then, Janice. Saying, Michael, I looked up, I panicked. <laughs> so I should have dressed smarter this morning. What's going on? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got a new series um, that we're starting this morning. We're looking at the book of Proverbs. And I don't think it's a book that I have ever studied in church. Now, I've been going to church um, ever since I was born, literally, um, at 42 Gosh, 43 years this year. Oh, dear. Um, um, but it's a book, kind of, that you refer to, you know. People know that there's Proverbs in the Bible. Uh, it's literally full of wisdom for us to learn from, but it's not something that we regularly study. My grandmother, um, kind of the biggest example for me of faith, uh, my grandmother used to read um, a chapter of Proverbs um, a day because there's 31 chapters in Proverbs and so in a usual month you can read through the whole book and uh, she would do that every single month but it's not something that I've done so um, if you have got a physical Bible with you all right the best way of finding Proverbs is literally if you just kind of open it around about halfway you're either going to open it on Psalms or Proverbs did it work for you Ash no it didn't okay um, so Psalms, Proverbs Proverbs is after the book of Psalms okay so if you're wondering where it is if you're looking for it on your Bible, just swipe until you find on your uh, phone, I should say, then just swipe until um, you find it. So, what is Proverbs? Who wrote it? Why is it there? All of those questions I think would be really good for us to, um, to answer to look at before we um, delve into um, what it actually says. So, um, the book of Proverbs was mainly written by King Solomon. Okay, King Solomon's the author, you can tell that because the very first um, verse in Proverbs says, The Proverbs. Proverbs of Solomon, a son of David, king of Israel. Okay, so we know who Solomon is. Solomon was the son of David, King David of David and Goliath fame. You know, remember that from Sunday school? Maybe you don't, maybe you do. Um, and uh, Solomon uh, was born around about a thousand years before um, Jesus, and he died. We know exactly the year that he died, which was 931 BC. So this Solomon guy, he's not a, he's not a kind of um, just an imaginary figure or a legend or anything like that. He's an actual historical um, person. He was king of Israel um, from around 970 BC until he died. So um, we've got about 40 years of King Solomon um, reigning in Israel. And he is considered to be one of the wisest men who ever lived. And uh, the reason for that, we can read in 1 Kings, um, God says to Solomon, uh, name the one thing that you want and I'll give it to you. Name one thing that you want and I'll give it to you. And I wonder if um, I said that, not that I've got the power, but you know, if I said that to you this morning, Name one thing that you want and I'll give it to you. I wonder what you would ask for. Would it be money, fame? You know, would it be uh, just a happy life? Uh, Well, Solomon asked for wisdom. And it says that God gave it to him. So if God has given Solomon wisdom and uh, Solomon has chosen to write down some of the wise things that he knows, I'm pretty sure uh, that his advice is worth listening to. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you're with me. Okay, so... um, what is the book of Proverbs? I thought it'd be good to look at that. So if we take the Old Testament and the New Testament, as you know, probably, um, the Old Testament is the bit before Jesus. The New Testament deals with the birth, uh, the, the life, death, resurrection of Jesus and the establishing of the, um, of the church. Okay, So we're looking at Genesis through to Malachi, the Old Testament, the bit 
written before Jesus was born. Um, there are 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. Um, so a total of 66 books. Okay, The Bible was written by 35 plus, somewhere around there. We're not sure who wrote some of the books of the Bible, but around about 35 authors over hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, so there's lots of different types of books. So if you imagine it like a library, uh, you've got the first five books of the Old Testament are the books of the law. So these were written by Moses, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Okay, the books of the law, that's their purpose. They, they're there as instructions for the Israelites, um, the, the children of Israel, if you like, um, on how God wanted them to live, how uh, the world was uh, was made, how he established the nation of Israel and the laws that they were to live by. And there's also 12 history books as well. So um, after that, the 12 history books, they're detailing the Israelites' journey uh, from uh, where they were. So if you imagine... Um, in my mind, sorry, if you've been around Memory Chapel for a while, I pointed in my mind over there and went, Ugh. I don't know if anybody else, yeah. Um, from, so from Abraham, there's a map on the floor, imagine. Over there's a place called there. That's where Abraham left, and uh, eventually the nation of Israel was um, established. The 12 history books that cover the, um, the, the history of them, the, well, the journey, really, of the Israelites with God into the Promised Land. And then there's 17 books of prophecy. Okay, maybe. Major prophets, minor prophets. The only reason why they're minor prophets is because their books are shorter than the major prophets. It doesn't mean that they're less um, well respected. It just means that their books are shorter. So 17 books of prophecy. Prophecy is direct words from God himself to the world. So they're um, to the Israelites at the time, but also they have significance for us as the church today. If we read back um, some of those um, prophecies we looked at over Christmas, especially Isaiah, and we thought about how Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus was born, where Jesus was going to be born, what his name was going to be, and how he was going to die, and all of those things okay so books of prophecy and then we're left with five books okay the five books which we're left with is Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon and they're books of poetry and books of wisdom. So we know psalms are songs um, that they used to sing in the um, in the temple in Israel. And then we've got Proverbs, um, uh, which we're looking at today. Okay, so Proverbs is a book of wisdom, um, mainly written by Solomon, but actually there's contributions from other people as well. Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon, you can probably guess who wrote Song of Solomon, right? Um, but he wrote Ecclesiastes as well. So that's where we're at you've got kind of got an overview now of the old testament and where we're at with proverbs and uh, what kind of book it is like going to a library and going i want to read a romance novel or i want to read a thriller or i want to read a history book uh, today we're, we're looking at a, a book of wisdom or um, songs that kind of thing okay so the purpose of the book of proverbs i thought it'd be good to to think about that as well and so it's quite obvious, isn't it? The purpose of the other books that we've talked about, the purpose of the history books, the books of the law, the purpose of, uh, of a songbook, um, even, uh, as Psalms. Um, so we've got all of those kind of things. But Proverbs, Proverbs is mainly, if you read through it, it's a collection of two-liners, um, uh, basically sayings on life, the universe, and everything. And I guess, um, as we've grown up, um, we've probably got some Proverbs that we 
said um, around the house, not particularly biblical ones. Um, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, is one that springs to mind. All of those kind of sayings that actually, if you think about it, they do make sense. A stitch in time saves nine, okay, those, um, those things. Um, so they're the kind of things that you find in the book of Proverbs. But the basis of those, where it starts, is biblical, it's theological, it's, it starts with God and then all of those wisdom things that we read in Proverbs are, are built on top of that. So the book of Proverbs contains some insightful observations about day-to-day behaviour, about personal character. In fact, I, I read this, someone once described a proverb as this, a short sentence founded upon long experience, okay? Short sentence founded upon long experience. And I'm pretty sure that's what was behind Proverbs 26.17 that says this. Whoever meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like the one who grabs a passing dog by the ears. I thought it was brilliant. Whoever meddles in a quarrel that's not his own is like one who grabs a passing dog by the ears. You're just asking for trouble, aren't you? This is the kind of thing that you read in Proverbs. And I think, you know, when you read through it, and I'd encourage you to read through a chapter of day. You've got 10 days to catch up. Um, but read through a chapter a day of Proverbs. Some of them are absolutely hilarious. But they're all really, really wise. That sounds like wisdom from experience, doesn't it? Um, So essentially, what is Proverbs? Proverbs is an instruction manual that covers all of life. So the beginning chapters of the the book of Proverbs, when we read them, uh, are instructions written by Solomon um, to his sons. Okay, Um, If you imagine you're you're trying to pass on your wisdom to your children. Um, I'm not quite sure I've got any wisdom to pass on to my children. But um, they're trying to pass on wisdom to your children. And so it's like this, a father teaching his son. And then the later chapters of the the, um, book of Proverbs uh, is basically Solomon and others then teaching how God's wisdom applies to changing life situation as that person then gets older so you've kind of got this initial thing of I'm teaching you my little boy but now you're getting older this is how God's wisdom applies to your life so we've looked at the fact that Proverbs is Proverbs is is more practical than theological Um, These are the things that Solomon and others have learnt over their lives. And and it gives us instructions on how to live wisely and how to live successfully, but within this kind of God framework. So in other words, in the middle of all of the sayings, in the middle of all of the wisdom that's shared, the overarching theme that's throughout the whole book keeps returning to this, that God is God and our relationship with him matters. In, in There's 31 um, chapters, as I said, in Proverbs, and we're told this 16 times. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 16 times. So every other chapter, um, Solomon and others keep going back to the fact that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The whole book, the whole, um, uh, as I said, overarching theme is that um, what matters most is our relationship with God and who he is. That's what we're reminded about time and time again. That's where it starts. And the implication is simple. The implication is simple. If we're seeking wisdom, if we're seeking to be wise, and I guess we probably all want that in our life, don't we? It would be, in fact, foolish to forget that at the beginning of the journey, we need to start with God taking his rightful place in our lives. 
That's where wisdom starts. And we'd be foolish to not include him in that. So Proverbs, why was it written? It was written so that you and I can become wise in God's eyes. It's not simply enough, is it, to become educated, to have knowledge, as important as education is, but we also need wisdom. And wisdom is this, it's the ability to put that knowledge into action, to use that knowledge that we have. You know, as I was reading through this, as I was preparing for this, I was reminded about the the parable of the wise and the foolish builders that Jesus um, told in Matthew chapter 7, 24 to 27. You can read it yourself, but Jesus tells this parable. He's he's just done a load of teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, and and, and he turns around and he says this, um, that um, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man, a wise man, who builds his house upon a rock builds his house upon the rock in other words gets the foundation of his life right the rain comes the streams rose the wind blow and they blow against the house uh, but it did not fall because the foundation is right and then he says whoever hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand the rain comes the same rain that everybody gets the wise and foolish men their situations don't change but where they build their house changes yeah that's really important to remember that so this man built his house on the sand and the same rain comes and the streams rise and the winds blow and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash why did it fall simple because the foundation wasn't right. So if we want to be wise, if we want to apply the knowledge that we've learned, if we want to grow in our relationship with God, if we want to live our lives right and to be wise, it starts with this. It starts with God taking his rightful place in our lives. It starts with the fear of the Lord, because that is the beginning of wisdom. So let's read um, the first couple of verses from Proverbs. I'm going to read them um, from the message um, paraphrase of the Bible. I thought that that, um, Eugene Peterson actually did a really, really good um, uh, way of kind of helping us to understand them. You can read through it in your version of the Bible that you've got. If you don't have, if you haven't downloaded a, a version of the Bible on your phone, um, YouVersion is a fantastic app. There's literally every single version of the Bible on there. And uh, you can read along with our uh, plan of the week, um, which we, in fact, we start, we're going to start one tomorrow. So um, if you go onto our Facebook page, you can see that, click on the link and read along with us. Um, But I'm going to read through from the message and paraphrase of the Bible, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. And this is what it says. It says, these are the wise sayings of Solomon, David's son, Israel's king, written down so we'll know how to live well and write. To understand what life means and where it's going. A manual for living, for learning what's right and just and fair. To teach the inexperienced the ropes and give our young people a grasp on reality. There's something here also though for seasoned men and women. Still a thing or two for the experienced to learn. Fresh wisdom to probe and penetrate the rhymes and reasons of wise men and women. And verse 7, which is kind of the pivotal part, I think, of chapter 1, says this. Start with God. The first step is learning to bow down to God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. Start with God. 
That's what it says in chapter seven, uh, sorry, in verse seven. Or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. It's literally the key to unlocking the rest of the book of Proverbs. And in my opinion, unlocking the rest of the Bible as well. Um, if we want to grasp hold of the wisdom that the book of, of Proverbs um, uh, contains, then we need to start with that key verse in chapter 7. So what does that phrase actually mean? What does it look like? You know, we can talk about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and we go, oh, we can remember that, that's no problem. But what does it actually mean to fear the Lord? What does that look like? What does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, when we fear the Lord, we'll recognise who he is and who we are. We'll recognise who he is and who we are. Let me give you some examples. He is the creator God. So we read that in Genesis. God created the heavens and the earth. And who are we in relation to that? We are the created So he's the creator, we're the created. He is sovereign, he is the Lord. Lord literally means the one who is sovereign. So if God is sovereign, if he is the ruler of everything, what does that make us? That makes us his servants, the ones who should obey what God does and says. He is the father. We talk about God being father, don't we? And who are we? If God is Father, then we are children. So in all things, we see that God is greater than us. We see that God is all-powerful. We see that God is sovereign, that God is creator, and as a, a loving Father, and we're his children. So the phrase, the fear of the Lord, it means to live before the face of the Lord. It's an idea of this, that, that we are so in awe of God We're so in awe of God that we long to obey him. I don't know if you remember being a kid in primary school. And uh, my my teacher in primary school, my head teacher, his name was Mr. Wales. And and I swear that when I was in school, he was 10 foot tall. And, uh, And I remember one day I got in trouble and I had to go and see Mr. Wales. To go and see Mr. Wales, I sat outside his room in school and I went in and I got told off and it was the worst day of my life. Uh, and he was just this towering figure and, um, and, and, and I was in awe of him because he was the ultimate authority in that school. And I remember the following day that we went down to Carrefour in, um, in Caerphilly, okay, it was like, the Carrefour was literally the first supermarket in Wales, I don't know if you know that. Um, anyway off topic um so um so i went down to Carfu with my mum and dad and we were doing the shopping and we walked along i can't remember what aisle we were in and as we turned the corner mr wales was there and for the first time ever i realized he existed outside of school and there he was 10 foot tall mr wales walking around doing his shopping and i was terrified i was terrified because i thought he was going to tell my mum and my dad exactly what i'd been told off for in school of course he didn't he just smiled nodded politely and we walked on but it's that thought that you know that there's some things there's some situations where actually you know there are people that we treat in awe now i'm not saying that god is like a head teacher who's just there to tell us off but he has that position of authority over us we should be in awe of god a couple of years later, I was, um, I was in school, I was in sixth form, and I needed to do some, um, 
what's it called, work experience. And so I went down to Toyne Junior School, where Mr. Wales was the head teacher, and uh, I made an appointment to go and see him to ask if I could go and do a, works, a week's work experience in the school. And I went in, and he was so nice. He welcomed me, asked me how I was getting on. He'd shrunk by about four foot as well. Um, But the atmosphere was very, very different. He was there to support me and encourage me, as he'd been all along. Had he changed? Absolutely not. Had I changed? The way I looked at Mr. Wells had changed. He, he is, and well, was, um, this figure of authority, but he was also there to guide me and support me and encourage me. And I had a great week doing work experience at Toyne um, Junior School, where I went to, to school. So the way that we look at God is so important. God is our friend. We sing that song, don't we? I'm a friend of God. Or what a friend we have in Jesus if you're over 40. Um, we, you know, we, we've got that kind of relationship with God. God loves us as a heavenly father. He's there to support us. He's there to encourage us. He's there to, to carry us when things get hard in, in, um, through Jesus. But he is also somebody that we should be in awe of. Somebody that we respect. Somebody who is sovereign somebody that we should fear the true fear of God somebody once said is a childlike fear and uh, they went on to say that in the the Puritans in the 16th century used to call it filial fear a combination of this holy reverence but also glowing love to fear God they said is to have a heart that is sensitive to both his greatness and his great graciousness and I love this phrase in equal measure we're meant to revere God but we're also meant to rejoice in him two different aspects of who God is the fear of the Lord is all of those things together it doesn't mean that we're afraid of God so you know because we think he's going to come and beat us with a big stick but it does mean that we need to respect him for who he is So our respect for God and our reaction to him is literally the beginning of wisdom. It's the starting point in our relationship with God, but it's also our ultimate goal as well. If if we don't get it right, we're just like that foolish man in the parable that Jesus told. We're building our lives on the wrong foundation, and it's going to come crashing down when the storms of life hit So in verse 7 of the book of Proverbs, we're told in no uncertain terms that we would be fools to ignore God and to not put him in his rightful place. Remember that verse, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You know, Solomon doesn't beat around the bush with this one, does he? He's not simply suggesting that, you know, well, you should probably show God a little bit of respect, But he's saying this, if we hold God in contempt, uh, then we're not showing him the respect that he deserves. So what does fearing God look like? Fearing God is having that continual awareness that our loving Heavenly Father is watching and evaluating everything that we think, say and do. To fear God is to love him so that his frown would be your greatest dread. And his smile would be your greatest delight. 
Read that again, because I thought when I read that online, I was like, that's it, isn't it? To fear God is to love him so that his frown would be your greatest dread and his smile would be your greatest delight. That's the thing that should guide us through life. Our decisions should always be taken with God in mind. Living lives that please him, that bring him praise and that bring him glory. If we're choosing to do this in our lives, then it should bring us confidence. Confidence that we're living right before God, but also contentment as well. If our focus is on the Lord, then we don't have to be stressed. We don't have to be worried about the material things that we do or that we don't have. Whether we're keeping up with the Joneses or not. Because we're not living life for them. We're not, in fact, living life for us. We're living our life for God. Our priorities in life, if we're focused on God, will shift away from selfish things and on to him. Contentment comes not from having all the things and stuff that we've always wanted, but knowing who we are in God and finding rest and purpose in him. So how do we get wisdom? Well, there's a verse in the Bible that says, if you want to be wise, get wisdom. I mean, that's literally the advice that the Bible gives. Well, first of all, if we're going to get wisdom, where do we get wisdom from? Well, the whole book... Oh, all the whole book of the Bible, all 66 books of them, are literally full of wisdom. This is God's message to us today as the church. And if we're not reading this, then God's not going to speak to us through his word, is he? It's like me saying, Jan never speaks to me, and then me never going to see Jan. Whose fault is that? It would be mine, wouldn't it? So let's devote ourselves to the word of God. If we're reading the word of God, then we are literally getting wisdom. Carve out some time in your busy schedules to spend time with God. Open the Bible. Pray before you read it and ask God to reveal something new to you today. Sign up to the YouVersion app. Read along with us as we go through the plan of the week. If you've started to do that and for some reason stopped, then start again. If if you do the first two days and then miss a couple of days, don't think, oh, well, it's not worth joining in now. Start again. It's fine. You know, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Keeping going. When we make mistakes, when we trip over, when we we kind of stop, we can pick ourselves up and we can start again. Take a few minutes at the end of the day to go through the day in your mind and to recognise where God has been at work in your life and thank him for it. We don't get wise, do you, without working at it. We need to be proactive in anything that we want to achieve and not passive. In the same way, if I'm trying to get fit and healthy, I can't just hope that it happens. It won't. I've got to do something about it. I've got to put something into action and not just start doing that, but I've got to carry on doing that as well. As well, I can't just acknowledge that it would be a good idea for me to lose five stone and then go, oh, I hope that it'll happen one day. I need to put some effort into it. And I steal a few verses and a few, uh, sorry, a few phrases from some verses in chapter 2 of Proverbs. I'm not sure if we're looking at that next week or not. But there's eight actions here that I found that show that our relationship with God and our faith and our trust in him isn't passive, but it's active. You can read these in in chapter 2. It's the first five verses. It says, if you receive my words... 
So um, uh, Solomon is saying, if you receive my words, in other words, we've got to grasp something. Receiving something literally means I'm going to take it from someone or somewhere. So we've got to grasp it. If you treasure up my commandments to you, how do we treasure up commandments? We memorize those things, don't we? So when we're feeling down, when we're feeling oppressed, when we're feeling that God is far away, we can bring those things to mind that we have treasured up, that we have memorized. So we've got to grasp, we've got to memorize. Making your ear attentive to wisdom. How do we make our ears attentive to wisdom? We we pay close attention to it. Incline your heart to understanding. In other words, stretch out. Try and discover If you call out for insight, we've got to invite God to speak to us. If you raise your voice for understanding, we've got to speak, we've got to ask for it. If you seek for it like silver, in other words, if you've got to look, you've got to open your eyes and see that God is there. If you search for it as in hidden treasures, then, then you will get wisdom. That's what it says. It's all an active thing. It doesn't say if you sit there on a Sunday morning and listen, listen to what's said. I, I mean, it's a good thing to do to come to church. Don't get me wrong. Don't think I'm telling you not to come. But it's something that you've got to do not just on Sunday, but every day in your life. It's an active thing. It's something that you've got to pursue. Solomon writes, if you. So in other words, if you don't, then it won't. If you do, then it will. You've got to go in the right decision. You've got to make the right, uh, sorry, in the right direction. You've got to make the right decisions. You've got to be determined to go and get it. There's got to be action to our faith. Forward motion, a chasing after. It's something that we work hard and something that we long for. If and when we do that, when we do all of those things, Proverbs 2 verse 5 tells us what the result is. If you do all those things, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. It's then and only then that we can uh, understand, we can find the knowledge and the wisdom that we're seeking for. If we get to grips with the role that God should play in our lives and choose to submit to him and his authority and his wisdom, then these things will happen. So back to that phrase I said, in equal measure, we're meant to revere God, we're meant to rejoice in him. And I guess those two things can seem as if they're in conflict. You know, how can I revere God and also rejoice and and, and act as if he's my my father and, and a friend and all of those things? But you know, scripture never depicts God's love and his holiness as opposing things. Both of those things are are shown without conflict, without compromising God. Just like Mr. Wales. God is utterly holy and he is to be revered. Not like Mr. Wales. He's also unconditionally loving and very close to us. You know, I was reminded of um, C.S. Lewis's uh, book, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. And in there, um, Mr. Beaver is talking about Aslan. Aslan in the books represents Jesus, doesn't he? Uh, And C.S. Lewis says this when uh, Mr. Beaver is asked about whether the lion, whether Aslan is safe. And he exclaims, he says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. 
is the king, I tell you. And that's who he is. That's the Jesus that we worship. That is God who we worship and who we walk with. It's him that we pursue. It's him that we submit to. It's him that we revere. And in him we rejoice. Let's pray. Yeah, Father God, we thank you for your wisdom. Father, we thank you uh, for who you are. Lord, we thank you that, that you're not a faraway God. Lord, in spite of your sovereignty, in spite of your awesomeness, you still choose to be a personal God to us. You choose to, uh, to speak to us individually. You're interested in us as individuals, not just the big picture of who church is and whether or not this group of people is worshipping you. But Father, you care about us and you care about our hearts. So Father, this week I pray that um, the things that we have thought about this morning, the things that you've spoken to us about, the things that your Holy Spirit has laid on our hearts, that we wouldn't forget those things but that we would make it a priority from this moment on to put you first, to revere revere you in our lives, but to rejoice with you. Father, help us to put you on the throne in our lives and to remove anything that gets in the way of our relationship with you. Lord, we want to keep our eyes fixed on you. So Lord, be with us this week as we live our lives Help us to have those moments where we're able to speak freely about you with our colleagues and friends. Father, we want to bring you glory. And we want to share the faith that we have. We want to be bold and invite others along to the party that we're able to have with you. Father, we love you. And we thank you for who you are and for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.